Hi there, I'm Graham Gardner from the British Society of Dowsers. Welcome to Adventures in Dowsing, podcast number 15. In this episode, we're going to be returning to the topic of modern stone circles with a look at the one that BSD director John Moss built in his garden in the Forest of Dean. But first, I wanted to talk a bit about how these podcasts are produced. One of our listeners got in touch with a question about the wind noise on the Paul Devereaux field trip episodes. They wanted to ask why I didn't use one of those microphones that you see on film and TV shoots where there's a large furry hamster type of windshield. Well, the answer is quite simply that we don't have the budget for it. Although it would be nice to have access to that sort of professional gear, uh, the whole idea of starting these podcasts was that they could be made at zero expense to the society, as the BSD really doesn't have that sort of money to throw about. Much of our work is done uh, by volunteers. I think it's worth emphasising uh, that point in case there's any BSD members think that we're wasting their membership fees on uh, frivolous entertainments. Uh, the total equipment budget for producing the podcast has been uh, around about £100. Uh, I personally bought a Bain Oral twin capsule condenser microphone uh, that can be used either as two separate microphones for doing interviews, or uh, I put them behind my ears when recording field trips like the Paul Devereaux ones to get a, a Bain Oral stereo recording. The microphones do have little windshields on, but uh, that's not enough to cope with very windy conditions as we had on that particular day. Uh, the recording device I use is one of the cheaper Olympus digital memo recorders, uh, which costs around £50, and this plugs straight into the USB port on my computer to upload the recordings. I then edit the podcast using Audacity, which is an excellent open source piece of software. Uh, if I had a Mac, I'd probably use uh, GarageBand, but hey, I'm a PC. Uh, and that, well, that's the beauty of podcasting. You know, It's relatively cheap to do, and you can attain a reasonable quality of uh, audio without forking out on professional equipment. The only real investment is my time, which, uh, of course, I'm happy to give in the interest of promoting dowsing to a wider audience, and uh, we hope that will induce more people to join the BSD. So that's really why I do the podcasts. Uh, if you enjoy them, then the best way you can show your appreciation, of course, would be to join the BSD, if you're not already a member. You don't have to be able to douse to join us. Anyone who's interested in the subject is welcome, and we do have members from all over the world. You will get a substantial reduction on the first year's membership, as well as a subscription to our excellent magazine, Dowsing Today. Membership also entitles you to discounts on items in our shop and bookings for our events, training courses and annual conference. So why not come and join us and be part of what I'm sure is the best dowsing society in the world. And I'm not just saying that. Uh, I know from looking at the podcast download figures that we have listeners in places like France, Spain, Germany, Denmark, Canada, the States, India, even Japan. Please get in touch and tell us what the dowsing scene is like in your country. It would be great to hear from you. Send us an email at podcast at britishdowsers.org. Well, we are uh, well started on our season of uh, dowsing training courses now, and many of them are selling extremely well, so much so that we're already sticking in extra courses to keep up with demand. We started off last month with a tutor orientation weekend, as I mentioned last episode, and that was hosted by myself, uh, Director John Moss, and our tutor trainer, Kip War. 
and it was a very successful weekend, with 11 potential tutors attending, including one chap who'd come all the way from Kathmandu, such as the prestige of the BSD training courses these days. And uh, as demand for our courses is continuing to increase, it's good to be able to expand our pool of registered tutors. And it was nice for me to uh, to meet them all as well. Anyway, speaking of courses, that uh, segues rather nicely into a look at what we have coming up in the next month or so. And on the 27th and 28th of March, our tutor David Lockwood is hosting a Dowsing for Health and Wellbeing course. That's in the Holycomb House of Healing, which is Witchford near Shipston on Stour. And on the 20th and 21st of March, we have the first of our Earth Energies uh, curriculum courses. That's Earth Energies and the Spirit of Place. And that's being hosted by BSD Vice President and Chair of the Earth Energy Special Interest Group, Adrian Ingleton Weber. And that's being held in Avebury Social Centre in Wiltshire, with of course the massive Avebury Stone Circle to go and play with. That course has been so popular that it's now fully booked. And But don't panic, we've thrown in an extra one the following weekend on the 27th and 28th of March. And this is being tutored by our director, John Moss. And that's going to be held in uh, Kilpeck, in the Village Hall in uh, Kilpeck, in Herefordshire. And if you haven't been to Kilpeck, there is a wonderful um, uh, church there to go and douse. And uh, John is a bit of a specialist in that area because he uh, teaches there rather a lot. So, well recommended, that one. And John Moss, who's our tireless director of operations at Head Office, is also the subject of our podcast interview today. So let's run straight into that now. Uh, Well, my guest today is our director, John Moss, although actually I'm really his guest because we're coming to you from Moss Haven, John and Jill Moss's uh, wonderful cottage in Mitchell Dean. Uh, John, very nice to be here once again, I must say. Thank you, Graham. Always a pleasure to have you along and help me drink some wine. <laughs> um, now, uh, we have spoken about uh, stone circles before in uh, podcast number six when I talked to Billy Gorn about his stone circle. And uh, I've never really ha- had the full story of uh, the one that you've built in your garden. So uh, why don't you tell us a bit about how you came to build a stone circle? Certainly. We, um, we moved into this cottage, which is high on a hill on the edge of the Forest of Dean uh, in 1999. And at that time, I'd been a bit of a poorly boy, and I'd left my first career and had realised that I needed to look after myself a bit more. And so as I got into dowsing a few years before, I began to realise that it would be quite nice to build some sort of a peaceful spot in the garden. It started as simple as that. And uh, as part of our moving in process, we'd done a bit of crafty dowsing to see what was around the cottage as much as we could. As one does. As one does, yeah. And uh, it showed itself to be very neutral, which was great. Nothing much there. I thought that's fine. Um, But we did spot one energy line running diagonally across the garden, nowhere near the cottage, um, it seemed a, a very nice quality line, good feel about it. So we thought, well, that's nice, and thought no more about it. Time went on a bit, and obviously to start with, we uh, had a lot to do getting the house sorted out. Um, but I began to think about, well, what will we build? Would it be a labyrinth? But at the time, I knew very little about them. Surely just put a standing stone up, 
Um, and then I started thinking, well, now I'd quite like something a bit more involved than that. And Jill and I have always been fascinated by stone circles, even pre-dowsing days. Uh, we'd always find ourselves in remote parts of the country, wherever we happened to be, tramping around ancient sites and wondering what they were all about. So, Much like myself. Yeah, yes. <laughs> that's right. And it's only in latter years what the wonderful world of dowsing opens up so much more. Yeah, when you realise what you're actually doing with Oh, them, yeah. gosh, yes. It's amazing. So, yeah, I mean, it happened about, um, I think in the spring, must have been in the spring of 2000, um, we went to the... Uh, spring gardening show at the Malvern County Ground and there was a stand there with some standing stones on it and they'd been mucked about a bit they were in forest um, sandstone which is what our cottage is built of um, but they'd had you know, holes drilled in them with coloured glass in and all this sort of thing mm. but the actual stones really caught my eye A because they matched what our house was built of um, and the fact that they were obviously from the Forester Dean because it was a little local quarry um, selling them. So I had a, a look at the price tag on this particular stone and then swallowed hard, picked up a brochure and we came home. And uh, I've always been absolutely hopeless at asking for anything, but um, I thought, well, I, I've got to follow this up. So I emailed the chap that runs this quarry and I said, look, you might find... You might think this is a bit of a batty request, but um, I'm a dowser and I want to build a little stone circle in my garden. Um, I wondered if you were interested in the process and whether we could do a deal for some stones and in return you can use pictures of my stone circle in your brochure. Good angle. But yeah, Ooh. I thought, well. So, the following day, email came back. I don't know anything about dowsing. Um, but this sounds really fascinating. Can we meet? So I went along, Jill and I went along to a mine train quarry near Canup, which is right in the middle of the Forest of Dean, to find John Tainton and his father there running this little tiny quarry, uh, which we discovered was a lot of bits of it are pre-Roman, sort of pre-Roman mining tunnels going through it, and archaeologists have crawled all over it all the rest of it. Because there's sort of a big Roman area, isn't it? Yeah, Obviously that's good. right, because yeah. this is a lot of iron ore mines were mm -hmm. here, and uh, the Romans uh, pillaged it fairly thoroughly. And, uh, yeah, basically said, look, I want to do a deal here. Um, what sort of size stones do you want? Give me a month, I'll give you a ring, and you can come along. So I thought, well, that's fine. What was interesting and what I really liked is that the stones aren't blasted out of the quarry. Hmm. They're actually levered out. So they just sort of fall to the ground, and that's how they are. So you've got some interesting... Because pennant sandstone is about uh, 380 million years old, and it's a sedimentary sandstone rock, obviously, so you get some very interesting layers hmm. in it. And it's also interspersed with um, conglomerate in places with lots of quartz in it. And you've got sections of iron ore in it as well. Right. So it's quite an interesting stone, varying from a sort of pinky through to a greeny colours. So it's, it is very attractive. So anyway, cut a long story short. Um, in the meantime, we were... Uh, I was actually uh, running South Herefordshire Dowsers in those days and I knew it was going to be my last year of organising the group. And so I'd sort of lucky enough to organise an A-team list of speakers to come along to South Herefordshire Dowsers and 
but was quite happy to invite them all to, to uh, spend the night before or the night after with us, you see. So I, one of the people that came along was Robin Heath. Ah. And uh, very, very friendly, useful chap. And Robin was absolutely brilliant because uh, by that time I'd got a couple of uh, books, Aubrey Burl's book uh, about stone circles, and I really liked the idea of a flattened type B. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of going back to my sort of meditative, peaceful spot of the the, 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 the Piscian symbol in the in the middle, um, and so it was a design. It looked fairly simple, ha ha. I thought at the time, and uh, so Robin was really helpful. And during a long course of emails, he helped us get the design right. Actually, I think he got a bit exasperated with July sometimes because trying to draw the thing out and he. he he said once, I think you and Jill must have been sound asleep in your geometry lessons at school. <laughs> Quite funny. <laughs> Should just explain that the flattened type B is one of Alexander Tom's yes. Yes, uh, geometric constructions. That Indeed. He extrapolated that was the other from I've been at. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, based uh, on Pythagorean triangles. Yeah, so, now yeah. in the meantime, it's all difficult to remember the exact order of it, but we'd also had um, Billy Gorn along. And because uh, spending 24 hours with Billy was absolutely amazing, um, such a knowledgeable and uh, interesting man. Now this um, might be interesting from a timeline point of view. Had he built any of his his circles before? I'm not sure. I mean, this would have been 2000, 2001. So I'm not sure um, when he built his. No, well, certainly the one in his garden is later than that, but ah. I know he had built one with the Earth Images group I think before he had that. before then. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, by that time, I'd, we'd, we'd agreed the design, but I had the spot earmarked in the garden, which was, we're on a slope, I should say, it's probably about one in three slope, that part of the garden, but there was one section which was slightly flattened out in a little bowl and I thought oh it was fit nicely there and then I suddenly thought well actually I'm supposed to be a dowser didn't mm. I ought to actually douse for the best place to put circle so I doused for it and picked up on that original energy line that that we'd found and was getting some most peculiar responses and because this is fairly early on in my dowsing career but I sort of learnt uh, read up a bit about it and suddenly realised that I think I'd got a blind spring mm -hmm. with nine streamlets, if I can call, going out. Um, so it was just, I thought this is very strange and the water seemed to be coming up towards me as I was standing on the ground and I thought, well, perhaps I'm imagining this. You know, I wasn't terribly confident in my dowsing then. So anyway, I'd marked it out with twigs and then Billy was coming to stay um, what I should say, of course, is that where my dowsing resulted was on a steeper part of the lawn and not where the nice flattened bit was. <laughs> <laughs> um, Billy came along, I took away all the sticks, explained what I wanted to do and said, look, would you mind just having a dowser around and seeing? And it was so exciting that Billy just mapped out exactly what, what I had. Mm -hmm. So I, I must admit, it's the wrong thing to say. I was very proud that I'd got the answer well, right. I must admit, I did my confidence. Big boost the of the confidence, good, yeah. uh, you know, especially thought, when Billy Gorn's involved. I thought, if Billy's got it, it must be right. I can't be imagining it, because as you know, it's so easy to lead yourself up the garden mm. path dancing. So, uh, we were on. So we mapped out the site, 
put in the marker pegs. Um, at the same time, I was building a pond, so I got a little mini digger in, scraped off, I suppose, about 10 tons of soil away so that it still slopes, but the stone circle nestles more into the into a hollow on the hillside. Um, so that was that was good. Um, the stones had arrived uh, in January actually of that year, and they we just laid them out in a long row. And every week or so, I went out and I rolled them over and rolled them back again. And I just thought I really want to get a real feel for for their characters. Mm. I want to get to know their sort of what they look like from different angles. Um, so all of this took took some time, as you can imagine. Um, I then saw a, a, a film on Channel Four about Stone Age sound, and it was about it was by Dr. Aaron Watson and Paul Devereux, Paul Devereux Stone Age soundtrack. Um, yeah. Reading Reading University, I think Aaron Watson's from. And that was the first time I'd sort of really heard about the idea of drumming in stone circles, mm. the ritual and all the rest of it. And, and they actually said that if you look at a lot of stone circles, the inner face is concave or flattened or worked in some way, and the outer side is all gnarled and mm -hmm. natural. So I thought, well, I'd already realised that coincidentally some of the stones were like that. Mm -hmm. So that helped me sort of figure out which way round they would be. Billy, I should have, should have said, realised that four of the streamlets that we got were on the cardinal points, mm. which, again, I don't understand, but it's a very nice coincidence. Yeah. So the four biggest stones went into north, south, east, west. Um, so the design and the placing of the stones was gradually evolving as we went along. So, yeah, we marked it all out. Um, I got my eldest son, Jonathan, along, because um, he's younger and fitter than me, and we started moving the stones around. Now, Billy told me it was quite simple, that all we would need was a plank of wood and a scaffolding pole, but, of course, he, I think, was obviously used to gigantic stones, and these, the tallest ones are uh, about five feet high, so they're not huge, but because it's on a slope, it was a bit tricky. And you're just moving these by hand. Yeah. Yeah. And they were heavy because mm, yeah. of the iron in them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was very uh, careful. And the, the, the John Tainton from the quarry had said, for goodness sake, don't start them rolling because they'll be in the hedge at the bottom of your garden and you'll never get them out again. So we had to be really careful. Um, so again, after reading up a bit about things and thinking about it, I, I discovered that the best way of you know, dig a post hole, if you like, dig a hole in the ground about a foot deep, um, line it with hardcore and a mixer, a dry mixture of sand and cement. And uh, we decided where each stone would go. The four biggest, as I said, went in the cardinal points. Um, we got the inner faces concave or flat. Um, and it just sort of evolved, really. Um, so while we were building it, I was very conscious of... Um, of the intent of what we were doing. So the sort of overriding aim, if you like, was was sort of health and harmony and making the whole site peaceful. And that, that was the sort of idea that we had. Um, the design, I should say, is very much on megalithic yards. 
So it's nine megalithic yards across, which is just under 20 feet. Um, so we tried, as I said, to try and get all the features we could that we knew about, so that, okay, it's not an old circle, but it's got a lot of the characteristics of, of old circles. Um, and the, the, eventually the day came when we'd, we'd finished it, and, and that was the, the Queen's Jubilee Day, actually. And, uh, was that by design or coincidence? No, purely coincidence. Yeah, yeah. And uh, shortly after that we had a group of our friends around from South Herefordshire Dowsers, and we had a party. And we all held hands around, walked around the circle, and one of the elder members of the group read out a really nice verse that he'd found about, you know, harmony and healing and all this sort of sentiment. So I felt that it had gone really well. And what was interesting, and what I haven't mentioned, is that um, there were nine streamlets going out, and so I got the nine stones design, and I thought, it doesn't look right to me. Uh, so I took a very risky decision and put in a tenth stone. Um, within a week, that stone had got its own water line running yeah. out, which I thought was really weird. Um, within a week, just holding a pendulum in the search position over each stone, it would be clockwise, anticlockwise, clockwise, anticlockwise. Mm. You know, the whole thing, it was like, it reminded me of that film Stargate. Mm. When when the, the machine is put up on you know vertically and it goes clunk clunk yeah. clunk clunk and everything clicks into place, it almost felt like that. Yeah. You know, sometimes I think of these these power centres are like they're like a plug socket, and this is one that hasn't been identified before, and it's like a three pin plug socket on the ground, and I've plugged in the plug. Yeah. It sort of felt like that. What I really kick myself about is that uh, before we built the thing, I didn't douse for the flow of water coming up. I'd love to know whether it increased or not. Certainly within six months, the ground below the circle has always been a lot wetter. Mm. So whether the flow has increased, I'm not sure. Mm could be but I, I can't I can't really prove it now at all um, but it was um, Hamish no it wasn't it was it Sig or Hamish they came along in quick succession I think it was Hamish that doused it for me and found a spiral coming out from the center which I hadn't realized was there um, and that has grown that's really interesting yeah. and um, I had a few friends around earlier this year and they all disappeared off in directions, different directions, and well over 250 yards away, and they were still going, tracing the spiral lines. Mm. Um, so they go right through the house and everything. I mean, that's one thing that I would say to anybody contemplating this, is to actually think about the consequences of what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and one thing that I got Billy to, to douse for is, look, if I plunk this thing here, will it have any detrimental effect on our home um, and he said no and told me one spot in the garden where we must never put anything yeah and uh, and we haven't that'd be one of his critical spots that's yes. one of Billy's critical spots Can't put anything on there yeah. and curiously it's on the edge of our decking mm. and uh, there's a uh, like a stair rail bar around the side of it and it's a brilliant place for beating my son at arm wrestling <laughs> 
Because <laughs> I make sure I'm not standing on the spot, and he is. <laughs> and I beat him every time. I didn't let him into the secret for ages, but it's quite a good yeah. demonstration. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, there we are. So, what do we use it for? What do you use it for? What do we use it for? Um, probably not as often as we ought to, mm. because Jill and I still haven't really got our life work situation sorted out. But we like to mark the passing of the seasons, uh, cross-quarter days. Mm -hmm. um, the turning of the wheel. Yeah. The turning of the wheel, absolutely. So we go out, we put flowers of the season or leaves or whatever on the centre stone, because it has got a centre stone lying on the ground, like a little saddle stone, which is lovely to sit on. Um, if one of our friends is ill, or indeed has died, or somebody's in trouble, uh, we light um, a lantern and leave it burning there. Um, it's, it's used for that sort of thing, sending people good thoughts, really, and yeah. um, in it, trying to be positive about it. You know, sometimes if I know I've got a tough time coming up for anything, I'll go and sit there for a while and just think about it. And, yeah. You know, it's used in, in that way, really. Well, they are such wonderfully multi-purpose spaces for they are. that kind of thing. I gain, gain a great deal of um, comfort from it, really. Mm. I love it to bits, and I should be very sorry to leave it when we have to leave here. Mm. But um, I'm just hoping that somebody will come along and buy the house that has got the right idea about this. Well, sort of I'm, thing. I'm sure it would attract the right sort of person well, in that situation. So. Yeah. I hope so, because yeah. I'd hate to take it down. I know some people say, oh, you should take it down when you leave, and I, I don't really want to do that. Yeah. Well, I think once you've activated that point in the landscape, it would be a, a, a sad and criminal almost act well, if you did have to yeah, uh, take so it down again. I think again. so. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, but I, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's underlined my firm view that we do interact with Earth energies. They do respond to us. We, they do communicate with us, don't they? Yeah. And uh, I think this is a, it's been a good demonstration of it. It's, it's been a great interest to a lot of people. It's very good for converting people who are skeptics. I get them to stand on the saddle stone in the middle and shut their eyes and so many of them get spun off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <It's quite laughs> no, you didn't plan any um, astronomical alignments, did you? Uh, ah, uh, no, yeah. well, I didn't. Um, Is that anything to do with the fact that you're surrounded almost completely well, by trees? we are surrounded by trees, <laughs> yes. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. Because Jill and I are summertime people, uh, we decided to align the entrance with the midsummer sunrise. Mm -hmm. Now, as you say, we are covered, surrounded by trees, and so that's a bit tricky, but basically it's obviously to the east of us, down across the valley, so if the trees weren't here, it would be stunning. Um, but I was a bit worried about the mathematics of this, but in fact a, a friend who used to drive oil tankers around the Gulf of Arabia calculated the, the right angle for me, because mm -hmm. this was before I knew about any of this stuff mm -hmm. at all. Um, so yeah, midsummer sunrise is, is important to it, um, but sadly I don't think we're ever going to see it ourselves, which <laughs> is a bit of a shame, but I'm sure the energy still goes in there, I'm sure that, that has an effect. Um, we also drew down the north, as per Sig Lonegrin's mm -hmm. um, website, so we've done a little bit along those lines. Mm -hmm. It's so funny in that so many stone circles you go to, you can't see these astronomical alignments for mm. trees these days. Mm. You know, you wonder um, how it must have been when they were actually built. 
And yet we're often told, aren't we, that it was all the big forest and yeah, all the rest yeah. of it. But at what stage did they deforest these areas, I wonder? Yeah, well, maybe they needed yeah. the wood to, uh, for rolls well, to build the, st yeah. the stones, I don't <laughs> that's know. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's one thing we kept. Uh, we, we drifted away from that, didn't we? But mm. um, just as we were getting to the end of the construction, um, I actually worked out how Stonehenge was built. Oh, yeah. And this is a fairly closely guarded secret. Um, and we tried everything, as I said, levers and, and planks, um, rolling, carrying, all the different methods you could think of. And then I finally cracked it. I put rolled a stone into one of these one-ton builder's bags, the, you know, the plasticized mm. bags that yeah. you get attached it to the back of my tractor mower and towed it into the circle. <laughs> so that's how Stonehenge was built. It was a fleet of tractor mowers. Not a lot of people know that. <laughs> I don't mean any disrespect. <laughs> but isn't it mad thing? You often discover right at the end how, e how uh, yeah. the easy way of doing something. Nice to do it. Yeah. But there we go. Uh, but I think energetically there is a lot of value in then doing it by hand. I felt that good. I mean, it was it was a struggle, and it was good. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think you appreciate the stones a lot more yes, doing it that way. I think so. Uh, and I think the response to that treatment as well. Well, I hope so. Yeah. I hope you feel that. I mean, you've been here and yeah. doused it around it a bit, haven't you? And, yeah, it's certainly um, um, very energetic. Yeah, um, yeah uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with it. And it's weathered in nicely now. What is it, um, eight or nine years mm, now? Yeah. Um, so it's weathered in nicely. The stones look as if they've been there a long time. Mm. In fact, one person who came to visit said, Good Lord, fancy finding one of those in your garden. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did admit to building it. <laughs> well, I, I think it's a very beautiful circle and it's a, a lovely Thank thing you. to have in your garden, John. Thank and, you. Uh, I'm very jealous. Um, well, <laughs> but I said a bit, well, I mean, I've often, I've, people have been very kind and wanted to know about it, and I've often been around to local dowsing groups to speak about it, mm. and um, I often say, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to have the space yeah. to put it there, but these things don't have to be huge. You can make them out of tiny mm. stones, can't you? Mm. And still, oh, absolutely. And yeah. still do exactly the same process, yeah. and I'm sure would have exactly the same value. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, go for it, is yeah. my message. Yeah, if you've got the space, yeah, mm. do it. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, John, that'll probably do us for tonight, I think. So, Excellent. Uh, good spending time talking to you. Uh, it's and, uh, a pleasure, yeah. Graham. Thanks for telling pleasure. us the story. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Well, as you heard from the clock chimes there, we really could not have timed that interview any better. I swear to you that was not planned at all, and neither of us was facing the clock at the time, and we really had no idea what the time was. That's some magical timing for you. Anyway, I think that'll do us for today. Adventures in Dowsing comes from the British Society of Dowsers in Hanley Swan, England. For more details about the Society, please see our website at britishdowsers.org. Thanks for listening. My thanks once again to Hilary Brooks for the music, and be sure to join us next time for more Adventures in Dowsing.